Hi, welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Susan George, and I'm here with my two partners, Carly Feinstein and Perry Ann Grignan. Media Plus Advisors is a media consultancy designed to lift up, lift up areas of the media ecosystem. And on our podcast, we cover a wide range of topics in the media world. Today, we're joined by two guests. Perry Ann, do you want to introduce our guests? Thanks, Susan. I sure do. Um, uh, say hi, everyone, to Ken Fackler and Tom Gibney. Uh, Ken and Tom are friends of ours uh, at Media Plus Advisors, and they are partners at a firm that they founded in back in 2017 called Ad Optics. After a long career that they're going to tell us about, and th their focus of Ad Optics is on some really essential things for marketers transparency, assisting advertisers with the most cost-effective way to get the facts about their financials, assessing financial stewardship, and improving processes with marketing groups and agencies. That's a really, um, that's a really big, big story there, and it's so important, I know, to marketers. Um, Ken and Tom, um, we want you to say hello and introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about Ad Optics and what you do at your firm. Well, thank you, everyone at Media Plus Advisors. We are so happy for inviting us to our discussion today. So this is Ken Fackler. I'm one of the partners at Ad Optics. Uh, we did found our company three years ago after a very long career in the media and advertising and consulting industries. Uh, Spent, uh, spent, I started my, my career as a CPA actually, and then quickly got into the advertising industry world, uh, working in internal audit and finance and worked my way in, up in, in, in that world, working across def several different uh, holding companies. Uh, and then went to the big, uh, big four, spent, uh, did a couple of tours of duty there where I founded our media and advertising risk assurance practice um, at a few firms, working with advertisers. We're working with advertisers to really, in its simplest form, it's, it's to help clients make sure that they're getting what they're paying for in the contracts that they have with their third-party agency partners. Uh, it's, it's contract compliance. It's looking at process. It's looking to make sure that everything is working. We know that our clients spend a lot of time negotiating contracts with their third-party agencies and often there's audit right provisions that are in there and often our clients don't look at them so it's important for clients to spend the time to every once in a while look at these contracts and look at the look at the relationship from a financial stewardship perspective which is really our main focus and that's what we um we're really here to do and the beauty of, of it is it, it really cuts across all industry sectors. So uh, cl clients, uh, advertisers across all spectrums, which could be financial services, pharmaceutical, consumer products, all different types of third part, uh, different types of industries spend a lot of money, obviously, in, in marketing and advertising and, um, and need, need, need assurance, need third party assurance, objective assurance to make sure that everything is working in accordance with with the way it's supposed to. And just finally, the, the one thing I'll say is um, it's really looking more than more than just media. Um, we look at uh, all different third party marketing communications, um, contracts and suppliers. So that could be 
creative agencies, PR agencies, obviously media, direct marketing, uh, all the different types of, of third parties that a client's uh, portfolio in terms of marketing communications. So that's a very long-winded response to my introduction, <laughs> but hopefully gives uh, everyone a good sense as to who we are, what we do, and a little bit about, about my background. Yeah, and hi, I'm Tom Gibney, the other partner at AdOptics. I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I've been in the industry for over 25 years in various financial and operational roles uh, at both the holding company level and at agencies. And I also um, did a stint with Ken at Ernst & Young when he was a partner there uh, for about four years. And I've worked at places like Ogilvy & Mather, uh, DMB&B, Merkley & Partners, uh, Wunderman, Cato Johnson, Digitas, etc. So many different types of agencies and many different types of roles. Well, thank you both for those introductions. It's always great to for our listeners to have a little background as um, and, and understand what uh, our topic is going to be directly from people's background. It's kind of the way it goes. And I think our listeners have gotten used to that we're we have that discussion around a topic through a series of questions um, and discussion, and I am going to get us started. And I have a question that I'll direct to you, Ken. Sure. So back in 2016, we, you know, I think many of our listeners know that there was uh, a big ANA study conducted in partnership with K2, which was an investigative firm. And that study brought to light some issues in the advertising industry about agency partner agreements, specifically around contract compliance and transparency and fees and rebates and just financial compliance in general. And the, the industry news headlines led many marketers to rethink their partner agreements but many marketers took no action at all. So for our listeners who aren't as close to this topic, could you as experts in the contract and financial science arena, share some basics around the what and the why of contract compliance and financial auditing? Sure, happy to do so. Yeah, and that, that study definitely raised a lot of uh, a lot of eyebrows and it opened up a whole new world into into the, the term transparency and what that meant. But really in its simplest form, um, contract compliance is looking at the financial terms of a contract, uh, whether it relates to billing and, and payments and how fees are working and how pass-through costs are supposed to be handled. It's really looking at all the financial aspects of an agreement and an arrangement and making sure that it's all working um, from beginning to end, from, from budgeting, through payment, through reconciliation, through reporting um, on both sides to make sure that there's really from the client's perspective, really, number one, that there's no monies that are left on the table, obviously, in the world of, um, you know, volume rebates and discounts that we, we mostly see overseas. Um, there have been instances um, where there could be um, ads that didn't run or, or, or missing invoices or, or all sorts of different issues where clients have been pre-billed for activities that need to get reconciled. So often there's some cost um, savings that come out of it, um, as well as other contractual obligations, for example, looking at timing of cash flow, you know, when, when, when are clients being billed, when are agencies paying their third-party media suppliers. So it's looking and optimizing um, 
cash flow in that example from a client's perspective. So it's really all all of the different financial terms and conditions that are in um, in a contract between client and agency. And 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 coming out of that, often um, you're right. A lot of clients didn't didn't update their contracts after that study. Um, and many over the last few years, a lot of a lot of advertisers have looked, re-looked very strongly at their at their agency contracts to make sure that if they are requiring a certain level of transparency in in their media um, buying and and financial practices, that they're including those provisions in in their contracts. So we have seen some movement in that, but I would say honestly, there's still a long way to go with clients um, and advertisers, especially when you get below the you know the, the top 100 advertisers. Let's say you know there's a whole a whole list of advertisers in all different industry sectors that really haven't looked at it, they weren't aware of it. And, and a lot of times these audits, these financial audits bring to light a lot of the, a lot of the gaps um, that are in their contracts. Thank you. And Tom, just a couple of follow-ups to that. You know, how often are marketers typically doing these types of assessments and really how often should they be doing them? And when you're working with, um, folks on the marketer side, who are you typically engaging with and and what should they expect as an outcome from this work? Well, to start, it seems that most clients do it, do reviews every three to four years. And that's kind of what we would recommend as well. Uh, what we actually try to do is work with our clients to help them come up with a, uh, a rolling schedule, right? So we'll take them through a risk assessment and say, you know, here are the ones that maybe you should do every two years. Here are the ones maybe you should do every four years. Here are the reasons why. Uh, you know, for example, the length of the relationship, how often they've been audited in the past, the spend, et cetera, things like that. So that's usually, that's generally what, what we see. Uh, and I'm sorry, what was a, <laughs> that was a big question. I think I missed it. <laughs> I said, I have a follow-up question then ask you like four questions. So when you're working um, with folks on the client side, like who are you actually typically engaging with on the client side, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, marketing versus procurement and really just um, for those folks, what can they really expect as the results of um, these assessments? Yeah. So we work with kind of anyone who touches marketing. So that could actually be someone like the CMO or someone within marketing. Uh, most of the time, however, it's someone within finance. So internal audit or marketing finance or just, you know, a, a CFO or someone like that. And and what they get at the end of the day is just, you know, it's a, it's a findings report, uh, findings and recommendations. And what it shows are any cost-saving opportunities, any monies due back, uh, any contract improvements that we see, as well as any uh, process and procedure improvements. Tom, I'd also add sourcing groups. Sourcing groups are yes. sorry, are big, are a big group. Um, yeah, are a big group um, of folks at, at at advertisers that are very interested in the marketing categories. You know, Ken, uh, at Media Plus Advisors, we focus on. Um, you know, media performance management and really helping clients, you know, identify and have ongoing value in their media strategies and transactions. So that's, you know, that's the, that's the space that, you know, uh, you know, one of our focus areas, but then there's obviously the financial audit work that you do. And, you know, it's interesting that sometimes in the work that, that we're doing is that, there can be underlying process issues mm -hmm. that are related to, you know, the media side, 
that are really inherent from you know some problems on the financial side. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk about that a little? You know, how often do you yeah. see that the two are either connected or not connected? And you know, how do you actually approach some of those yeah. problems? That's a great question, Perry Ann. Um, the term media audit has taken on many different meanings, but I think in our experience, having been in this area for for many years, uh, media audit in, in, in some advertisers' minds is just simply looking at looking at um, the cost of media or the performance of media, and often don't think about the financial ramifications of of media. So in our world, the definition of media audit encompasses both both the performance side, the media performance side, as well as the financial stewardship side. And a best-in-class advertiser will look at the both of those in tandem. When, when they're conducting a media audit, it will encompass both the media financial stewardship and the media performance. And the reason why that's important is one can uncover things in the other area. You know, you're right. Um, just looking, you know, and, and in our definition of media performance, which is the other side that that, that uh, many auditors get involved with. That's more looking at the quality of the media, obviously the strategic um, direction of media, maybe looking at year over year kind of savings and things like that. Um, whereas the financial area that I was discussing before is really looking at the contract and, and, and the fees that are paid and the billings and the payments and making sure that there's no monies due there as well. And there are processes on both sides that can lend itself well to the other. So to answer your question, um, we find most advertisers doing these in silos, doing these separately. So they'll either do a financial audit or they'll do a media performance audit. Um, but occasionally we occasionally we have seen advertisers that do both together. Um, and, and the thing about doing both together is these these can be done simultaneously with and you you're working with two different groups. So you know the financial auditing end of it's working mostly with the finance team in an agency and their shared services and client accounting folks, while the performance side of the audit is working more with the media planners and the media buyers. So there's there's no overlap there. It's done simultaneously and obviously with minimal disruption, um, you know, in that. So hopefully that answers your question. But yeah, we see it mostly in silos and it really should be done in tandem because the last thing you want to do is go into an agency twice. You don't want to have to go into an agency. Oh, we, we engage you for a you know a financial audit and then they decide they want to do a performance audit a couple of months later. You're, you're bothering the agency twice. It's just do it all at once. Get it, get it, get it done once. And again, you're dealing with two groups of people on the agency side. So it really is minimal disruption to both sides, the client and the agency. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to ask you, Tom, the next question. Why isn't every marketer doing contract compliance and financial audit exercises like you're talking about as part of their ongoing hygiene practices? Like what stops them from doing this more regularly? Probably a couple of reasons. One, I think Ken touched on this before, is that a lot of them don't know they have this right. right? They may not know, you know that it's in the contract that they can do it. And that they should do it because right advertising is still such a huge cost for any company. Uh, and then I think another one is that you know this it's still right it's still a relationship-driven business. And I think the idea of having a quote-unquote audit, you know, uh, just uh, strikes fear into the hearts of the people asking for it as well as the ones receiving it. 
And, you know, we, we, uh, we, we pride ourselves on the fact that because we come from the industry, we kind of know how to, we know the people, we know some of the people. Uh, we certainly know how they operate in a lot of ways. And so we were able to kind of do it seamlessly and do it with minimal disruption. And that's um, thankfully helped us over the years as we've kind of started this business and grown it is the idea that, uh, you know, we can go in and do something and actually not just not hurt the business, but actually help improve it. And that's, uh, that's probably the quick answer for that. Great. And Ken, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, why we're doing it, what they are, and even how often uh, Tom was talking about, but can you give us clients, um, you know, a good sense of really when is the best time to do this? It's funny. There's really no um, best time. These can be done at any given point of the year. Um, typically, clients like to have an audit performed, um, you know, close to their year end or close to budget cycles, those types of things. Um, but they can really be done at any time during the year. Um, often we find that obviously the beginning of the year, like January is when the agencies are busiest, you know, closing their books and doing the, they're getting ready for tax year end and financial um, fiscal year end. So that's, that's typically a harder time, but other only, only because of availability, but there's certainly a lot of things that can go on in the meantime. Um, but really anytime during the year, there's no seasonality to it. It's really, you know, at, at, when, when is the best time for the, for the advertiser and when, um, depend, you know, as an input to whatever decisions they're looking to make, whether, whether they're getting ready to, new, to, to do a new contract negotiation or whether they're looking to make changes in their roster or whether they're just really looking to improve their contracts, any and all reasons. So there's really no good or bad time. Just, just as a follow-up to that, I mean, as far as, you know, like you said, they're looking to make changes. Is there any benefits or pros or cons doing it during a pitch process versus an exit audit or anything like that? Yeah, so you bring up a, a good point. Um, often um, advertisers want to do want to request a financial audit when when the relationship is ending. So um, we have been brought in in the past to do exit audits. That's what they're called, exit audits. Um, it's our contention that that's not always the best timing to do those types of audits. Number one, you've just ended a relationship with an agency. So the cooperation might not be, you know, what you would hope it to be. Um, but second, it's always best to do to do these types of audits while the relationship is alive and well and working. Um, this way, you get the best cooperation. And if you find any any cost savings or any process or internal control breakdowns, fix them. You know, identify them, fix them, and together move forward. You know, we really um, we really want both sides to work together, and this should be a collaborative effort. And we try to make it as collaborative as possible between advertiser and agency in terms of identifying the issues. What are the risk of those issues and what are the recommendations and how do you strengthen those going forward? Yeah, I, I, I think exit audits are commonplace, but doing them while the relationship is alive is, is really the best thing to do. There have been a lot of, obviously over the years, um, new agency search and, and pitches. Um, that's something we absolutely do not get involved with, um, but we do understand um, we believe it's it, it's our belief that it's always it, that these types of audits can be looked upon as an input to those decisions. So if there's an agency search and a CMO wants to 
to open it up. And, you know, they've been working with an agency for years and they want to open it up. Usually they work, sometimes they do it internally, but they may work with a third party search um, consultants. Um, we, we always say, look, you know, as an input to that decision-making process, you really should do a financial audit because if you do a financial audit now, you may find things that may lead you to the decision that you, you do want to continue working with this agency, or maybe that you, you don't want to, maybe that's an input into your decision-making as to whether you, you, you may not want to stay with that agency. Um, so that's important. Um, so really it can be done at any time and for many different reasons, but we always believe the healthiest way to do it is as, as an ongoing process. You know, put a plan, as Tom was saying, a rolling plan out. If you're working with 10 different agencies, put them on a schedule occasionally. Um, that's really the best way. This way it keeps everybody on the same path. And I, I yeah. would just add is if, if you're planning on, if the, if the client is planning on maybe leaving an agency, doing an audit beforehand will help kind of identify processes and contract uh, terms that they may not want to use going forward, either in the current relationship, if they stay with the agency or with the new agency. Right. It's kind of a, it's, it's a real opportunity for them to learn what's working and what to, what to stop doing. Right. Um, Tom, mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about something that's kind of like an interesting topic, I think, is cash flow. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> got two questions around this one. The first is about payment terms. You know, it just seems like every time like you hear something that, you know, marketers are asking for agencies, um, you know, to lengthen their payment terms. Well, you know, I, I would tend to guess that the media companies themselves who ultimately need to get paid, they're not changing their payment terms. So first, you know, can you address that issue? You know, is that something that you're seeing more of or less of? And and then in addition to payment terms, um, when I was on the, the marketer side, you know, I always, you know, ran into folks in, you know, finance or internal audit, and they were always worried that once the marketer paid the agency, who ultimately paid, you know, the media company, that funds got commingled. So if you were at a client, at some point, that, that cash flow is no longer yours. And it starts to sit, you know, on the agency's books and is commingled with all the other bills that they owe. So, you know, it, cash flow is an interesting topic, you know, as it relates to both timing and the commingling of funds. And I was wondering if you could, you know, talk about that for a while. Yeah, well, and to start with the commingling. So it's funny because that's not really been something that has come up to us from our clients. Um, I guess in the sense that when we when we test cash flow, we test it end to end. So we test when the client pays the agency, and then when the agency actually releases those funds to the vendor, and then you know we actually look at canceled checks to see how long that took as well to see if they're perhaps holding checks. So the commingling uh, has not has never really been brought up to us as a singular issue from any of our clients. However, cash flow always is a big deal. Um, and you do right, always hear the stories of these these um, these clients who have 160 day terms and things like that. However, I, I have to say in our experience uh, over the past three years in ad optics is that usually most of our clients still have contracts with 30 to 45 day terms. Now, I, I don't know if, if that's the norm, 
in the industry necessarily, but what we advocate is cash neutrality. Right? We don't think either party should be the bank for the other. And uh, of course, once we test the cash flow and see where the balance is, there are a number of methodologies we could use to help them kind of address it. And that could be, of course, just, you know, let's say they have 30 day terms and then the agency seems to be holding on to the cash for 15 days beyond that. And maybe just go to 45 day terms. So that right there, you neutralize it. Um, you could do a separate bank account. You could bill based upon clear. There are a number of different different ways it can be done now. Uh, and it's not it's not a one size fits all because certainly, right, the, the client has their their internal issues and processes that they have to deal with as well. But there's always a way to address it. Would you say that achieving cash neutrality is something that you and Ken are bringing to the table or is it something that clients are asking you to help them get to? Uh, I think it's something we we bring to the table. Uh, in the sense that it's not it's not necessarily uh, in our experience something that they come to us saying that that's an issue, right? Because sometimes the clients do, do get a client and say, well, yeah, we've got some concerns, etc. It's never really cash flow, so it's something that that we kind of um, we don't uncover. We just you know we just test and show them the results up because the opposite could be true, right? It could be it could be a negative cash flow. It's like you've got to pay your agency faster. Because I would say most clients, yeah, I would say most clients aren't aware of what it really looks like, um, if, especially the ones who have never done an audit before, a financial audit. So like to Tom's point, it's it can be enlightening to them in terms how, of- How much does um, cash neutrality differ by media channel? Do you, are, are there some kind of basic rules of thumb that you see where cash neutrality is harder to achieve for say search or digital or experiential and that cash neutrality is easier for you know local TV. Yeah. I mean digital is the harder, right? Digital yeah. right. So network is what it is, right? You're gonna pay it in 30 days. So that's always gonna kind of have to happen. And to Ken's point, the flip side is that the issue right now is in digital. And that's because when you think about it, media buying and financial systems and vendor systems have been maturing together now for decades. There's kind of like a seamless process in a lot of ways for, you know, when a bill comes in, it gets matched or it's discrepant and the, the buyer just, you know, goes and does what they need to do if it's discrepant and boom, it's sent to be paid. But digital now, right, it doesn't have that, um, that relationship, the system relationship yet. And I think in a lot of ways, these companies that have grown, grown exponentially over 10 years don't have the wherewithal to kind of make that fit happen so quickly. You know, and, and also they're kind of the masters of the universe right now. So it's like, well, you have to bend, you have to, bend to our will. We don't have to bend to your will, um, but it's getting there, right? I mean, because uh, obviously it's a process and what you certainly don't want to happen is for a Google or a Facebook to say, to your agency, well, we're turning you off. Yeah. And you're not gonna, your displays aren't gonna go up and your search is gonna drop out. And not just for that, maybe because of one client, but we're gonna do it for everybody. So you need to pay us. So, you know, obviously it's mutually beneficial for everyone to work together to get to that, that neutral point. But again, it, it, is, it is digital. It is the amount of discrepancies that are out there as they're trying to kind of 
get get the media buying systems up to the point where they can be seamless like it is, for example, with network and cable. Yep. Uh, our listeners can't see us all nodding to that. <laughs> this has been this has been great. Um, before we conclude, I can't believe it's time to conclude, but before we do so, is there anything either of you would like to share us or our listeners that wasn't covered already? I think we covered a lot. I think just the, you know, one of the other things I just wanted to mention was um, a lot of advertisers go through agency consolidation, right? They, 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 they may have acquired a new company or they've merged with a big company and now they have two sets of agencies across the, you know, two companies. Um, so the other area that, that could prompt agent, agency audits is when a consolidation opportunity exists where the client is looking to streamline the number of suppliers that it works with and that can include advertising and, and marketing and media and whatnot. So that's another trigger that I would say would lead to these types of audits, if you will, that we didn't that we didn't mention before. Um, yeah. I think we're gonna see a lot of that in, in next year in 2021. Yeah. You know, and given the whole pandemic situation, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of advertisers looking at cost savings and mm-hmm. cost, I think that's driving and will continue to drive a lot more, um, a, a more a deeper focus and a deeper lens on this area in all categories, in all spend categories, not just marketing and advertising, but across the board. And we've seen clients that are putting together task forces across all of their spend categories on, you know, how do we make it as efficient as possible and clearly media marketing and advertising is is one of those. So I think that's the only other thing I, I, I'd i say to add in terms of what's happening now in the world. Yeah, absolutely. There's there can you can easily find some duplication of services mm-hmm. across across agencies. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been so great. We always love chatting with you. And I am going to sign us off on behalf of Media Plus Advisors and, and this episode of Plus Up Podcast. Thanks for joining. And we look forward to the next one. Thank you. Again, we really love being here.